Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. It's home day. Palmetto State Armory has so many deals right now that it's difficult for me to decide which one I'm going to present to you guys. I did do a thread of deals yesterday. Uh, That is still up and most of those are still available. Um, But today I am going to focus on ammo. There is a clearance sale on ammunition right now. So the link in the show description will take you all directly to the ammo deals And you can filter on the left-hand side for the specific ammo that you're needing. Who's talking file? Um, A quick update is in an order. Well, I say quick. A quick update is in order. (laughs) The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that Firearms Policy Coalition is likely to win on the merits of their APA claim against the ATF's pistol brace rule and has remanded the case to the district court with instructions to reconsider their motion for preliminary injunction. Judge Willett concurred, saying that the pistol brace rule likely also violates the Second Amendment. A two-to-one panel of the New Orleans-based Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals found that the ATF finalized the rule in January without giving the public a meaningful chance to comment on it. That made it invalid under the Federal Administrative Procedure Act, the panel found. Wait, what? You mean you can't just rule from the executive like a king on high and that laws can only come from the legislature? Say it isn't so. Has anyone told Joe Biden that? The court did not immediately block enforcement of the rule instead sending the case back to the U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor in Fort Worth, Texas. O'Connor will have to decide whether to issue an order blocking enforcement while the case goes forward, and if so, whether that order will apply nationwide or only to the plaintiffs in the case. Several federal judges have already issued preliminary orders blocking enforcement of the rule enacted by Biden's administration and challenged by lawsuits from gun rights groups. But those orders apply only to members of the groups and only in those judges' jurisdictions. If you haven't signed up for your membership with Gun Owners of America or Firearms Policy Coalition, I have taken the liberty of linking both membership links in the show description As far as investments go, there is no one fighting harder for your natural-born rights than these two organizations. The lawsuit was brought by Firearms Policy Coalition. Cody Wisniewski, the group's lawyer, called the ruling a huge win for peaceable gun owners across the nation. And Cody will be on my podcast, Shouse in the House, tomorrow to discuss some of the cases in detail and answer some questions from my followers. I can't wait to sit down with him. Uh, In a surprising turn of events, the ATF and the Department of Justice declined to comment. 
Fifth Circuit Judge Jerry Smith wrote Tuesday that the ATF's final rule was dramatically different from the proposed rule that it offered for public comment in 2021. The judge said that amounted to a rug pull on the public. Circuit Judge Don Willett said in a concurring opinion that the rule likely violated not only the Administrative Procedure Act, but also the right to bear arms under the Second Amendment of the Constitution, an issue that the majority did not address. Circuit Judge Stephen Higginson dissented, saying that the final rule did not require public comment because it merely interpreted a law passed by Congress. Someone needs to give Judge Higginson a copy of the Constitution. That shit says, shall not be infringed. There's nothing to interpret there. In addition to that win, Philadelphia has agreed to stop enforcing its ban on carrying weapons near schools unless state law is changed to permit the ordinance and its total ban on knife carry. In addition, the city will pay $10,000 to the plaintiffs who challenged the laws. These are fantastic developments and huge wins, and they should be celebrated. I will keep you posted as additional updates come out. But with that being said, please, again, I encourage you, go join FPC and Gun Owners of America. Those funds are being put to good use with good legislation. It is, it, it's amazing to me when people are donating to nonprofits that, you know, you could just be giving to somebody that's stealing the money and, and keeping it for themselves. But I, this is good work that FPC and GOA are doing. So, okay. I pay really close attention to what goes on in the House and Senate because I'm a glutton for punishment and enjoy being disappointed on a regular basis. There was a proposed amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, which would have established a new office of lead inspector general that would oversee the billions of dollars being sent to fund Ukraine and the proxy war that we shouldn't be involved in. The bill failed 51 to 48. Rand Paul, John Ossoff, John Tester, Bernie Sanders, and Angus King all joined Democrats in voting against it. This amendment would have allocated $10 million of the meager $866 billion to create a new office that would have been tasked specifically to develop and carry out in coordination with the offices of the inspectors general, a joint strategic plan to conduct comprehensive oversight of all amounts appropriated by the United States for Ukraine. In a statement, amendment author Senator Roger Wicker said, I'm dismayed that my Democrat colleagues withheld support for this reasonable, effective effort to conduct additional oversight of U.S. aid to Ukraine. He added, lawmakers are far better positioned to support Ukraine when taxpayers feel confident that their money is spent on a transparent and effective basis. I will continue promoting rigorous oversight of Ukrainian military aid as I also push the Biden administration to provide Ukraine the weapons it needs to win this war. 
Now, Kristen Cinema and John Kennedy wrote, taxpayers in Arizona and Louisiana help fund this investment, and our constituents deserve to know that each dollar sent to Ukraine is spent with the singular aim of deterring Russian President Vladimir Putin and maintaining peace for the United States and our allies. They continued, if the American people want to keep track of all the different streams of military, financial, and humanitarian aid flowing into Ukraine, we need a dedicated team of regional experts following every penny. It's just common sense, and it's what our bill, the Independent and Objective Oversight of Ukrainian Assistance Act, will do. The two said, for the second year in a row, Senator Paul attempted to add his own oversight amendment to the NDAA, which would have extended the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan's Reconstruction Oversight Authority to supervise American spending in Ukraine in order to detect and prevent waste, fraud, and abuse. His amendment was voted down, 78 to 20. Rand Paul voted against Amendment 1055 because he wants the existing Inspector General to do this, not create a new agency for it. And I think that makes sense. Why spend an additional $10 million of taxpayer money when there is already an IG that can facilitate the oversight? The NDAA passed with a vote of 86 to 11 on Thursday and heads to the U.S. House, which has passed its own defense policy bill, in a 219-210 vote. The real question is, will the current IG do what they should? Where is our money going? And why does no one in Congress really seem like they care to find out? Because I thoroughly enjoy cataloging the governmental ineptitude that we are subject to, I am pleased to let you know that the FBI has admitted it has used software by iPhone hacking toolmaker NSO Group, after an investigation discovered it was unwittingly doing so. Unwittingly. Insert Jennifer Lawrence GIF here. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. In April, a report determined that a contractor had bought and used a spying tool produced by NSO Group, specifically for the U.S. government. At the time, the White House claimed it did not know of a contract and task the FBI to find out who was using it. Turns out the FBI's answer after the investigation was itself. Contractor Riva Networks signed a deal in November of 2021, days after the White House placed NSO Group on the Commerce Department blacklist. The tools from the Israeli security firm were effectively blocked from purchase, by U.S. businesses at that point. However, the FBI contracted Riven Networks, in which in turn led to the use of an NSA tool as part of an investigation, which the FBI said occurred unwittingly. Again, there's that word, unwittingly. FBI Director Christopher Wray terminated the contract with the contractor in April after the discovery was made. Question is, would they have terminated it had the inspector general not figured it out? The FBI hasn't explained why this situation occurred in the first place, but the tool in use was not the infamous Pegasus, 
but one called Landmark. Rather than hacking phones directly, Landmark is instead able to narrow down and track the location of a device. In 2021, a senior FBI official provided numbers based in Mexico for Riva to search for under a fugitive apprehension program. The FBI allegedly thought that Riva was using an in-house geolocation tool rather than NSO software. A later investigation found that Riva started using Landmark in 2021 without telling the FBI and withheld the details in its November contract renewal. This, despite the FBI telling Riva and other contractors that NSO products were off-limits, with a wink-wink and a nudge-nudge. In a statement, the FBI says it is tasked with locating fugitives around the world who are charged in U.S. courts, and that the FBI regularly contracts with companies for technological assistance in these matters. The FBI has not employed foreign commercial spyware in these or any other operational endeavors, the FBI adds. This geolocation tool did not provide the FBI access to an actual device or phone or computer. The FBI says it will continue to lawfully utilize authorized tools to protect Americans and bring criminals to justice. Well, by all means, start arresting yourselves then. We're ready for you to all be brought to justice. We're looking forward to the watching of the watchers. Get on with it. While the dealings with Riva concerned Landmark, the FBI and Riva's relationship did extend to Pegasus at one point. Tell me how surprised you are right now. In 2019 to 2021, the FBI used Riva to pay for Pegasus and to test it out. After considerable internal debate and owning Pegasus hardware at Riva facility in New Jersey, it decided in 2021 not to use any NSO group software or spyware. The FBI deems Pegasus as inactive as it declined to renew a license for the tool. This may not even be the last of reports relating to Riva and NSO's tools. Riva Networks has a number of government agency contracts beyond the FBI, including the Department of Defense, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and the Air Force Research Laboratory. Maybe we just do away with the FBI and use private contractors since that's what we're doing anyway. FBI, oh man, you're just a disappointment every day. Okay, the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer went head-to-head in theaters, but fans mashed them up, making Barbenheimer a global phenomenon. But in the only country attacked by atomic bombs, fan-made artwork of the beloved childhood icon paired with mushroom clouds didn't sit well with social media users. Hashtag no Barbenheimer trended in Japan, reflecting a backlash sparked by what Japanese media said was the film's official U.S. account's cheerful replies to several memes. Those replies were later deleted. 
By some estimates, more than 200,000 people were killed as a direct result of the two atomic bombs dropped by the United States on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Warner Brothers regrets its recent insensitive social media engagement, Warner Brothers Film Group said in a statement. The studio offers a sincere apology. So just in case you aren't following along, because sometimes it's hard, I know, because I bounce around, but Warner Brothers' official U.S. account interacted with memes of the Barbenheimer mashup in a quote-unquote positive fashion, and they received backlash, and now they've apologized to the backlash. Screen grabs posted by Japanese newspaper Manichi Shimbun uh, show the actors Margot Robbie and Sil- Killian, Killian, Cillian, I don't know what the fuck how you say his name, who played the titular characters in their respective movies, posing happily in front of a nuclear blast with the accounts responding, it's going to be a summer to remember with a kissy face. The viral images and replies prompted a rare rebuke from Warner Brothers Japan on social media. In its post, the Japanese distributor noted Barbenheimer is not an official campaign. We consider the reaction to the fan-based movement posted on the official Barbie website run by the U.S. headquarters to be extremely regrettable. The statement from Warner Brothers Japan read, We take this situation very seriously and have asked the United States headquarters to take appropriate action. We apologize to those offended by the series of inconsiderate actions. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. The Pacific Theater saw 30 million soldiers killed compared to the 15 to 20 million in the European theater. The Japanese military captured 140,000 Allied military personnel and tens of thousands of civilians who were held as prisoners of war and suffered some of the worst atrocities of the war, including the Bataan Death March, where if you didn't march, they would just shoot you until you arrived at a camp where your only duty was to bury 100 men a day. Of the 27,465 Americans that were captured by the Japanese, 11,107 of them died. Japan also interned about 14,000 American civilians who lived in areas that became combat zones. They were starved, denied medical treatment, and if they attempted to escape, they were executed. That country was upset about, wait, let me check my notes here, memes? The same country that now turns little cartoon girls into porn stars with Lolita anime? That Japan is upset? Sorry, not sorry. You want to pretend to be ass hurt by memes about the fact that you were shown the sun? twice, but you don't want to accept the responsibility that you attacked Pearl Harbor first. You initiated aggression, and you were given aggression called fuck around and find out in return. It's fair to point out that both countries made horrible decisions with regards to human life in the 40s, but what we're talking about today are memes. Get over it. Biden is facing fierce bipartisan backlash over his decision to cancel the move of the U.S. Space Command headquarters from Colorado to Alabama, including 
from one of his staunchest allies, Rep. Terry Sewell, who released a statement late Monday sharply attacking Biden over the decision, calling it shameful and accusing him of bowing to the whims of politics over merit. This administration's decision to keep Space Command in Colorado bows to the whims of politics over merit. Huntsville's merits won this selection process fair and square, Sewell said. In three separate reports, Huntsville reigned victorious, whereas Colorado did not come in second or even third. This reversal is as shameful as it is disappointing. I expected more from the Biden administration. A decision of this magnitude should not be about red states versus blue states, but rather what is best for our national security. To be clear, the Alabama congressional delegation stands united in opposition to this decision, she added. Biden's decision to cancel the move, despite Huntsville separating itself as the clear choice for Air Force leaders to relocate Space Command, has fueled accusations that politics played a role. His administration's ongoing feud with Tommy Tuberville over the Pentagon's funding for abortions has been the main driver of those accusations. Tuberville responded to the decision by accusing Biden of having inserted politics into the debate over whether to move Space Command to Alabama. Oh, the irony of ironies. Democrats being angry that merit is being ignored in favor of political identity is not lost on me. The top three choices for Space Command headquarters were all in red states, Alabama, Nebraska, and Texas. Colorado didn't even come close. This decision to bypass the three most qualified sites looks like blatant patronage politics, and it sets a dangerous precedent that military bases are now to be used as rewards for political supporters rather than for our nation's security. Brigadier General Patrick Ryder said Biden had consulted with Lloyd Austin, who is the Secretary of Defense, and senior military leaders before deciding that Colorado Springs, Colorado, will remain as the permanent location for Space Command. The deciding factor for Joe Biden in deciding to keep Space Command in Colorado was operational readiness, pure and simple. Had nothing to do with Senator Tuberville's holds. Had nothing to do with partisan politics. Had everything to do with making sure that Space Command could, in an undisrupted way, continue to operate at peak readiness levels in what is one of the most critical domains across the spectrum of military domains, and that's space. Pure and simple. Operational readiness, nothing more, Kirby said. Rep. Dale Strong from Alabama, whose district actually includes Huntsville, and would have been home to the new headquarters, said the Biden administration was ignoring what is best for the nation's security and vowed to make it answer for its decision. Biden has irresponsibly decided to yank a military decision out of the Air Force's hands in the name of partisan politics, Senator Katie Britt of Alabama said in a statement. Huntsville finished first, 
in both the Air Force's evaluation phase and selection phase, leaving no doubt that the Air Force's decision to choose Redstone as their preferred basing location was correct purely on the merits. That decision should have remained in the Air Force's purview. Instead, Joe Biden is now trying to hand the gold medal to the fifth place finisher. Uh, Alabama's Governor Kay Ivey joined the delegation in blasting Biden over the decision, stating she heard about it in a report from a liberal media outlet rather than the president himself. The White House, choosing to not locate Space Command headquarters in Alabama, the rightful selection, is very simply the wrong decision for national security. The fact that a CNN reporter is who first delivered the news to Alabama should say all, she said. Speaking of merit, remember when SCOTUS ruled that race-motivated admissions policies were unlawful? Do you remember me saying that schools will still find a way around it? In addition to writing about their favorite songs and why they want to go to college, students applying to Emory University in Atlanta this fall will get a new essay prompt aimed at teasing out details about their cultural backgrounds. Universities must find new ways to create diverse student bodies and avoid the precipitous declines in admissions of Black and Latino students seen after prior bans on affirmative action in states including California and Michigan. Or, and hear me out because I know this might be hard to understand, you could just take the best candidates based on merit. The greater scrutiny on those pieces of student writing will intensify an already stressful application process that has spawned a cottage industry of advisors and caused months of angst for high school students and their parents. They're going to be much more targeted questions, said Timothy Field, Senior Associate Dean of Admissions at Emory. One of Emory's new prompts, for example, asks, tell us about a community that you have been part of where your participation helped to change or shape the community for the better. Oh, too easy. I'm part of Goon Twitter. It's a community of total and complete degenerates that love guns and the right to keep them and use them if necessary. We have a lot of fun shitposting on the internet and coming together with our families to make this world a safer place. My participation in this community has brought people from all over the country together that would have otherwise still just been strangers on the internet. Do you think I'd get in with that one? U.S. colleges are set to release their essay prompts on Tuesday when the common application used by many schools becomes public for the first upcoming admission cycle. At Sarah Lawrence College in Yonkers, New York, a new question will ask students how the Supreme Court ruling might affect their lives personally. Our hope is that this prompt gives our applicants a space to address a timely and challenging topic in society, and one that could impact the student bodies of the colleges to which they are applying, said Kevin McKenna, vice president for enrollment. He said students should not feel the need, however, 
to relive past traumas or injustices to gain admission to the college. He's right. Students should just be reviewed based on their grades, test scores, and community service against their peers. I mean, honestly, and I'm serious, I'm open to hearing from anyone who listens to my morning show that is quote-unquote diverse. Do people want to be told, well, we let you in because you're blank, not because you actually earned it? Is that something people enjoy being told? Because I would absolutely despise that. Oh, Heather, you're a girl and you have green eyes. There were other more qualified candidates, but we picked you because you're special. Aren't you glad you didn't even have to earn it? So the show is long enough already, but you may want to also check out the fact that Illinois just signed into law that illegal aliens, people who are not citizens of this country, and technically are thereby breaking federal law by being here, are now permitted to be law enforcement agents. And I feel like Gwen Stefani closing out the show, shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Like, literally, we are in a banana republic at this point. That is your Wednesday edition of everything yesterday this morning. As always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple. Like, share, subscribe, do all the things to help me out so that I can climb in the rankings and get my message out to more people. I love you guys. You guys take care. Don't forget, I don't do a show on Thursday because of book club, which will be this evening. We are wrapping up. Oh, no, not yet. We have This Week and Next Week of Cosmic Connections by Carl Sagan, which is a terrible book, by the way. Don't read it. Um, And then, uh, so two weeks from today, we will be starting Mongol Moon by my friend Mark Sibley. I'm so excited about that. Um, I haven't even told him yet, but it's going to be great. Uh, If you guys would like to tune in, we are on Twitter Spaces this evening at 1015 Eastern Time. Otherwise, I will see you guys on Friday morning. You guys take care. Have a great day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.